0: Hey, this is Ed Luther, pastor of City Church in Australia. I hope that today's podcast really inspires you. Thank you so much for listening. And we're going um, to look at some things this morning that I believe are going to help you get some depth into your prayer life. Uh, I, think about, I think about things that, that don't have depth. And, and, but they look good. And one of them is the, an iceberg. Uh, think about like how an iceberg doesn't look like very much. You know, the one that the Titanic hit, it's, uh, you know, kind of poking out of the water there. But they say about two thirds of the iceberg is under the water. <laughs> In other words, it's invisible to the eye. You can't see the substance. And prayer is a bit like that. We as humans are part of our nature, is just to want to see something. We, we like the spectacular, we like the visible, we like an outward display of something, but we don't understand that most of what's going on has to happen out of sight. It's our private life, it's, it's who we really are that's going to bring some kind of a result. And so there is often a misalignment between the visible and the invisible. Jesus says this, he says, it's what you do in secret. When you go and pray, shut the door. And your father who sees in secret, he'll hear you and he will reward you openly. So if we're not seeing something displayed, something outward, something uh, visible, it's probably because we're not very powerful on the invisible side of things. It's, It's because the depth has to be there in our relationship now, there's many ways to get that depth. Of course, meditating on the word day and night, as Joshua 1:8 says, uh, "In your word I, I meditate day and night." That's something that we do privately. I, I believe in devotions. I believe that if your Bible's not cracked open every morning and you're not into the Word of God, then you're not going to get that strength, and you have to find a way in today's busy world you have to make that time you have to fight for that time quite frankly and look i'm i'm in there with you it's like never convenient and often often uh the phone rings or you're checking your social media or whatever it is it, that comes up and say oh this is important i'll just i'll just take care of this then then i'll pray and often it's like oh too late got to go to work or have an appointment or whatever <laughs> whatever but you have to fight for that private time, for me, it means getting up at the ungodly hour of five, and and uh, and really getting into it and starting to really seek God for as long as I possibly can. I believe that the longer that you can mark off, as far as allocating time to God first up, uh, the more powerful that your life will be, and consequently, the more powerful that your prayers. Will be there's no shortcut to it there's no such thing as just a quick fix when it comes to prayer there's there's just time spent I uh, I know that the reflection of that in a meeting uh, it, it becomes very very powerful you can see in a meeting when when the saints get together how powerful the saints really are when they're not getting together and uh, that's that's something that all of us long for we want to have powerful meetings. Um, I'm right in there with you. I want to see the dead raised. Uh, I want to see incredible things happen. And, and, And we will. But the condition is we need to pray. Now you say, well, why? Like why is it important for us to have effective prayers and to learn how to pray effectively? Well, if you're married, your spouse needs you to learn how to pray effectively. If you're a father, your children need you to pray effectively. If you're a mother, your children need you to pray effectively. If you're in school, your school needs you to pray effectively. Our city needs us to pray effectively. I can go on. Our nation needs us to pray effectively. Hello. Our world needs us to pray effectively. They're without help. And finally, God chooses to need you to pray effectively. As we look at prayer, we're going to see that prayer is more relational than it is transactional. Sometimes we we focus on the transaction of prayer, and we forget that prayer is a conversation. It's a conversation between us as believers and our heavenly Father um, in whom we believe. And it's that relationship that's the most important part of prayer, more than the transactional part. And I've said this before, but prayer's not a formula. Jesus said, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, just known for their many words and babbling on and vain repetition and all the rest of it. Now, over in uh, the book of Acts, in. Um, Well, I'm going to start with James 5 again, James 5, and then we'll go over there. But James 5, 16, the latter part of it says this, the effective, this is where we get the title of our series on how to pray effective prayers. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman avails much. Avail means to turn to the advantage of or true prevail. Prevail means to gain ascendancy through strength or superiority, to triumph, to be effective or effectual. James 5.16 NIV says this, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. I was reading this, James 5.16, and not just part B, which I just quoted you, but there's a part A to this as well, which uh, is very, very important for us to dive into this morning. But James 5.16, out of the Passion Translation, and I I really love the Passion Translation because it is a translation, it's not a paraphrase, like the Message Bible is a paraphrase. In other words, it says, in other words, God's saying this. The Passion is a translation, and it's not just in modern vernacular, but they have put a lot of research and work into bringing the richness uh, of the vocabulary here. In James 5.16, the Passion, confess and acknowledge how you have offended one another. Isn't that amazing? Like, well, like we don't do that. (laughs) I'm a private person. I cover up my sin. I don't bring it out there for everybody to see, and I certainly don't confess it between, you know, myself and other people. Well, confess and acknowledge how you have offended one another. And then, after you've done that, and then pray for one another. So a lot of times we can't pray for one another because we don't like one another. How am I going to pray for somebody I don't really like? They get up my nose. You know, we're carrying something, some people for years, uh, offenses, offenses. And then comes time to pray because we need a miracle. If I don't get my miracle, somebody's perhaps going to die real life. Well, acknowledge how you have offended one another and then pray for one another and then and be Oh, I love this because <laughs> this just cuts to the chase with the whole thing. When we're talking about effective prayer, powerful prayer, we're talking about prayer that gets results, not explaining away why we don't get results. Because James tells us in his whole letter, quite frankly, uh, the why that sometimes we don't get a result when it comes to prayer. So, what is the result if you're praying for the sick? Pray for one another to be instantly healed. Not explain it all away. Expect some results, in other words, is what James is saying. For tremendous power is released through the passionate, heartfelt prayer of a godly believer. That scripture, honestly, of all the scriptures that you should memorize and and, and endeavor to put into practice, that one there is saying, pick me. Pick me, and you're not going to go far wrong. Pick me, and you're going to see powerful, effective prayers. Violate me, you're not going to see a whole lot happen. I've been in the church world now for I don't know, 40-plus years and some of you longer. And I've seen a lot of stuff not happen. And if we're honest, we can look at that Scripture and go, okay, I I think I kind of get a clue as to why it's not happening. It's not that our worship isn't great. It's not that the Word doesn't get preached. It's not that we're not nice people. To get the result, you have to do what the Word of God says to do, and James here, the half brother of Jesus, he 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 knows Jesus the Word uh, probably as much as anybody does because he grew up with him. And if anybody would know the will of God, it certainly would be James here. And if anybody could give us instruction on how to pray powerful, effective prayers, it certainly would be James. And his whole letter does that. So our goal. Our goal is simple. The goal of this series is to become powerful, effective prayers. I want to be a powerful, effective prayer. I don't want to just be praying, hoping, wishing, but secretly doubting that any of this stuff is going to work. Because my family needs me to be a powerful, effective prayer. This church needs me to be a powerful, effective prayer. My nation needs me to be a powerful, effective prayer. And the same thing would be said about you. You need to be a powerful, effective prayer. Effective prayers are prayers that get results. Now I know this challenges us because we, we want to kind of worm away from the whole expecting a result and when you pray, if you don't expect something, James here says, you have not because you ask not. This, this whole letter is, you know, it's, it's loaded with revelation, especially on prayer. He talks about prayer. The Bible talks about prayer probably more than anything. And to not expect results when you pray is diabolical to the Word of God. When we pray... We're bringing the will of God from heaven into the earth. When we pray, it's very much a conversation between us and our heavenly father. When we pray, to pray and not expect results flies in the face of what the author wrote. We must expect results when we pray, not shy away, explain it away, but ask if it's not happening. Okay, it's not God ever. God God doesn't miss it. He's perfect. So the challenge and the responsibility has to fall on us. We have to take responsibility for this. So how can you pray effective prayers? And this is point one that we started last week, and we're probably not going to get past point one today in this series, and it's be conscious of your conversation, not just your conversation when you're praying with some people but your conversations and your conversation of life, because your whole life virtually is a conversation. When you're not on camera, when you're not praying, when I'm not with a microphone, with lights, and in front of a group of people preaching, there's still conversations going on in my world all the time. And I have to be conscious of those conversations because they call me out. If my life is full of frivolous, foolish jesting and sarcasm and joking and all, you know, just one big joke, well, that's, that's who I really am. So I have to be conscious of that to identify who I am and what God needs to work on and what I need to surrender to Him. That's why it says, confess your sins one to another. If you're offended, get it right. Don't even take communion if you don't have it right, because... You actually speak in judgment upon yourself, and for this cause, Paul says, many of you are sick and many of you are weak, many of you die because you don't rightfully discern the Lord's body, which is his church, not just his physical flesh, but his body, his bride, his church. We cannot afford that to go on, and we cannot pray effective prayers if we don't get that right because what's below the surface that iceberg that's hidden out of sight, the hidden things of the heart, they come, become evident to all. Your prayers aren't something separate from yourself. Prayer is relationship with God, asking and talking things through with your Heavenly Father. Effective, powerful prayers come from the heart and they exit the mouth. You have to believe Romans 10. If you, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart, then you shall be saved. Saved from what? Saved from everything. Not just eternal life and I'm going to heaven saved, but saved from sickness, saved from disease, saved from financial calamity, saved in relationships. When you're praying for your children, parents, an effective, fervent prayer, of a righteous mother or father avails much. The effective fervent prayer of a church person praying for their church, praying for God to move, especially on them first, not expecting it to happen everywhere else but in my heart, that personal challenge is where the rubber meets the road. You have to believe it in your heart, and then what you confess with your mouth has power. But if you confess and you don't have it in your heart, your confession is just a bunch of hot air. Acts chapter 19, uh, verse 11 to 16. There's so many examples of this. We could look at Simon the sorcerer in in the book of Acts chapter 8. He went around, he tried to buy the the power that he saw. He tried to purchase uh, the, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And he got really pulled up, rebuked by Peter in Samaria. Peter and John, when they heard that great things were happening in Samaria, they went there and they encountered this Simon. Simon got saved. Simon got baptized. But then he wanted the quick and easy way. He wanted the goods. He wanted to, I want to do the stuff. So he tries to purchase it. He gets rebuked. Sometimes you can say the right thing. I remember, you know, reading in the book of Acts again where where. Paul's traveling through, and in the, in uh, this girl with the spirit of divination, she said, oh, these are the great men of God, listen to them, she was saying the right thing, they'll point the way of salvation, Paul turned around and said, shut up, and he rebuked the demon, and it had to come out of her, I've seen that more than once in my life, where somebody was saying the right thing. But man, there was demonic power behind it. I remember going to a conference once, a convention back in California uh, at Anaheim. And there was a guy out there and he had a whole big setup um, with uh, these suitcases and everything. Honk, if you know Jesus, Jesus, you're safe. You know, all this kind of stuff. And as people were entering into the convention center to hear the, the word of God, he was yelling all this stuff. And everything he said was right, and, and he might as well have put a clown outfit on, quite frankly, because he turned more people away saying the right thing, but his heart was serving something else. In Acts chapter 19, it says, God did extraordinary miracles through Paul, so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick, and their illnesses were cured, and the evil spirits left them. Wow. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, saying the right thing, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, <laughs> I command you to come out. Now, seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. So this guy's a a religious man. He's at the top of his game. And one day the evil spirit answered them. Jesus I know. And Paul I know. But who are you? That's the challenge when it comes to learning how to pray effective prayers. Who are you? It's not just what you say. Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. And he gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked (laughs) and bleeding. Seven of them, plus their dad, right? One man. And he overpowered all seven of these religious powerless people. For your prayers to be powerful... You have to be powerful. Now, herein, I think, is a big problem. It's a conundrum because most of us don't see ourselves as powerful. Maybe I'm alone in this. I I don't know. But in the natural, I think, well, I'm not that powerful. Jesus was powerful. Elijah was powerful. Paul, what a powerhouse. James was powerful. Healing evangelists that come to town, they're powerful, and people flock to the meeting to get their healing. Preachers are powerful in most people's eyes, but I'm just human. Now, go with me to James 5 because we've read verse 16, but now let's back up to verse 13. Is anyone among you in trouble? And I want you to think about that because you might be here this morning yeah, I got some problems. I'm in trouble in certain ways. I'm not not strong. I don't have it together. And that could be in so many different realms. It could be not just physical sickness or disease. It can be problems, trouble in your mind, trouble in your economy, trouble in your family, relationship, trouble. Is there anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Basically what Paul's saying here, or sorry, James, is it's okay to be who you are. If you're in trouble, pray for goodness sakes. If you're happy, sing. Sing. Don't bottle it up, celebrate. That's what we worship and we have a a great time, had a great time this morning of celebration and and, and worship and singing is good for the soul and get the champagne out of the bottle, for goodness sakes, uncork it. Have Have a celebration, but it's not always that we're happy. Verse 14, is anyone among you sick? them call on the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. Now this looks like it's part of a formula but it is far from it. I think for a moment and I shared this with somebody uh, last night actually about the disciples have a friend that's lame and They know if they can just get their lame friend to Jesus, he's going to get healed. Big problem. They approach Jesus' house. The place the meeting is packed. They're thinking, well, how are we going to get him to the epicenter where Jesus is praying for the sick to get our friend healed? And so they come up with a plan that we'll get him on the roof of Jesus' house. We'll bash a hole through the roof. I mean, it's made of straw and sticks and mud and whatever they made roofs from back then. It wasn't colorblind steel, but, you know. And they get him through there and they lower him down on a stretcher to get him to Jesus, the source of power. And Jesus, when he sees them, he says something that you can miss it if you don't pay attention and read it. He looks at the four friends, and it says, when he saw their faith, he marveled at it. It wasn't the faith of the sick guy. There's no record that he said anything. He didn't do anything. He's laid there. They got him to the source of power. Prayer is getting to the source of power. Prayer takes faith. you got to fight your way through a whole lot of roofs of a whole lot of ceilings to get into a place of prayer where the power is meeting with your Heavenly Father. But there's something about a group of people. There were 120 of them in an upper room. There's something about a group of people that aren't sick, that are healthy, There's something about a group of people that will pray and dig in. There's something about a group of people that have faith for somebody else that doesn't really have a lot of faith right now that's sick or that's troubled or that's weak. Let the weak say, I am strong. But when the healthy people around them, spiritually speaking healthy people, are locked in and praying for that person faith is released to to heal the sick, even to encourage somebody that's down. Oh, we need each other. The whole solo Lone Ranger churchianity is from the pit of hell. It's why church? I don't need to go to church. I could say something now just short of swearing to be quite honest at that whole thing I've heard it over the years and I've prayed for people that have vacated the church become offended give it a wide berth because there's people there I just might get hurt that's the place I was wounded and I see these people when they need their miracle and who do they call on seriously this is not an incantation let them call on the elders It's not, oh, yeah, it's a formality, bring the oil, come on. We're doing it exactly according to the letter. You're missing the point. If you do it that way, you're missing the point. We need each other. Somebody that's weak needs some people that are strong, that can get in there and intercede on their behalf and watch that person get raised up. And the oil is a type of the Holy Spirit who we anoint them with for the healing. But this is not just for, well, they're going to die. I guess we wouldn't hurt if we get together and pray. We might as well. You know, we've tried everything else. It's like, no. This goes far beyond that. When, you, when, you, when you're laying on the mat, you're the lame person. To have four friends that will lift you up and get you into the presence of God, is a, it's, a, it's a wow. And that's what the church does. That's why church. That's why out of all the dumb things you can do, the dumbest is to leave a group of people that can encourage you and lift you up. And the dumbest thing, seriously, is not to learn how to pray and just to pray in an emergency and treat prayer like a spare it's 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 not a spare it's a relational lifestyle to be able to call it's a conversation we that we need to get right between us and our heavenly father between earth which has problems and heaven which is problem free when i was a young christian i mean first got into a church, Wesleyan Methodist Church in San Diego. It's a church that John Maxwell eventually took over. And I sat with a, I've told this story before, but I believe it bears repeating. And sat next to this older gentleman. I was 21, 22, and sat next to this elderly gentleman who would have been in his 70s. His name was John. John was... I don't know if John had much. I don't even know if he had a pulse, to be honest. He'd just sit there. He came to church, sat there. Our church wasn't charismatic, Pentecostal or anything. The wildest thing was somebody yelled, oh, glory, once, and everybody turned to look and see who, who that was. You know, the biggest thing back then, we're talking the 70s, was oh, some of these people are raising their hands above their waist. Like, oh, that's that's sort of shaking. These these wild meetings where these charismatics, the charismatic renewal and the Jesus movement had happened, and hands going up. Oh no, it's one of those wild churches. Now it's I find it quite laughable, but that was kind of the, the big discussion back then, was how high you lift your hands. <laughs> and, God help us. <laughs> So John did lift his hands. His hands were, you know, this kind of posture. And I didn't lift my hands either. It's kind of John doesn't lift his hand, I'm not lifting my hands. And, and then uh, so we'd sit next to one another, we'd have quaint conversation, not much in the way of uh, intimacy with the conversation, and I was working as an accountant, so you could say, well that's expected because accountants are like that, you know. <laughs> But anyway, John, I didn't see John for a few weeks. I'm thinking, where is he? Like, and then he appeared. He came back to church. He was a totally different man. His hands went up. He, he had something that was so different about him that it really sparked my curiosity And then he did something that absolutely shattered me and really took my curiosity to another level. He went to the pastor who wasn't John Maxwell at the time, but Orville Butcher. And because John hadn't taken on the church. And he asked, could we make a prayer room in this Wesleyan Methodist church, Skyline Church? And The pastor at the time said, well, we'll, all the rooms are taken. We've got Sunday school here. We've got the women's group over here, the men's group. All the rooms are taken, except one. There's a storeroom. I guess we could clean the storeroom out and make some room for a prayer room. It wasn't a real big storeroom. It might have been, I don't know, five meters by seven meters, something like that. He went in there and he put a schedule On the wall, and had every hour of every day of the week. Every hour, day and night. And he invited people to pray 24 7. Now, when I heard this, my curiosity just went out of orbit. How could this guy who doesn't even have a heartbeat, doesn't sing, doesn't lift his hands? all of this stuff. Come back and be such a changed man. And where nobody would put their name on this prayer calendar, and I'm talking like 1 a.m., 2 a.m., 3 a.m., 4 a.m., there's one name, John, 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 John. So I said to him, What happened to you? And he goes, well, I don't share this with many people because they think I'm crazy, quite frankly. (laughs) He said, I died. I was on the operating table, had open heart surgery. And back then, open heart surgery, it's still a big deal. It was a way bigger deal back in the late 70s. And he said, most people probably think I'm wacko, don't believe it. But he said, I died and I went to heaven. And he got to the threshold, however that's defined, I don't know, but he saw and felt. And he said, If you took your most joyful moment in your whole life and multiplied it times billions, it wouldn't even come close to what I felt with the love, love of God. And you know, he's weeping while he's telling me, that, telling me this. And he said this to me He goes, Heaven is real. I know that now I doubted before but I know now because I've been to the the throes of heaven he said it's a real place and the most important thing we can do here on earth is to connect with that and to pray he didn't say this but I'll put it this way there's a portal between earth and heaven or heaven and earth. It's called prayer. There's a a way to connect from earth with all of our problems and all of our troubles. And are there any of among you with troubles? Anybody sick? There's a way to connect to heaven. It's called prayer. And the way that we know we've connected is there's results. And if there there are no results, then we're probably, there's something missing in the connection. But God's inviting us into that connection, into that relational transaction called prayer, that conversation. And so he says here, verse 15, and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up effective. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other. This is what it takes to get fervent about prayer is to get real. To bear your heart with, with another believer, it's not vogue. We don't want to do it. It's not cool, and it stinks with pride not to do it, quite frankly. And it's the reason that our prayers aren't effective. To be effective, you've got to get past pretense. Pretense. That's why I believe the spirit of this church, and and, and it's my desire that we get real. There's just no point in pretending and going through the motions of anything, especially not prayer, and thinking that we're going to get results. Get real. How do you get real? Confess your sins. If you've offended somebody or you're offended, get it right. Take communion. Take it right. Don't just go through the motions. This is not a formula. It's going to come out of the heart with power. When you're powerful enough, strong enough, confess your sins to each other, verse 16, and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Then the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Verse 17 this is not an add-on here, I might add. <laughs> Elijah was a human. <laughs> I look at Elijah on Mount Carmel calling down fire and doing all these miracles and you know everything going on in his ministry and everything. I look at he's powerful, man. Like. <sighs> but yet, the Bible tells us. There wasn't a greater prophet than John the Baptist. He was greater than Elijah. Why? Because he got to usher in and got to be the messenger that got to usher in the prophet that got to proclaim the Son of God has arrived. Not even worthy to tie his sandals. He got to baptize Jesus in the Jordan. Nobody greater has there ever been Than John the Baptist. Yet the least in the kingdom is greater than he. Oh, why is that? How how could that possibly be? Well, you gotta go back to Pentecost. Back then they had God's with them with us, Emmanuel, Christmas time. Back then, you know, the prophet got anointed, spoke forth the oracles of God. Back then, Elijah, one man, got anointed. There were other prophets as well, but all flesh. Uh, In that day, he said, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh, young and old, male and female, Whatever your role is in the church, doesn't matter. I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh so that the very least of you has the very greatest person that the prophet had. Every one of us has unlimited access to the throne room, to the power. I'm not a powerful person. I'm just human. Elijah was a human. He was a human being even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it didn't rain on the land for three and a half years. And again, he prayed to the heavens and the heavens gave rain. And the earth produced its crop. There is, and I'm going to run out of time because I want to have a prayer time at the end of this. And we're going to do communion again too, I might add. So... There is the unconditional will of God. In other words, it's going to happen, his will is going to happen with or without you. And there are a lot of things that you and I aren't going to stop it and we're not going to make it happen either. Because it's his unconditional will. Now Calvin got that confused and he put everything in that basket, which is not right, because there's also the conditional will of God. The prayer that we're talking about is the conditional will of God, where God invites you in to the conversation. In fact, if you don't do it, it's probably not going to happen. One of those things is salvation. It's God's will that everybody gets saved. But he invites us to be part of it. He invites us to be the feet of those that preach good news, to go on the mountaintop, to to preach the gospel to every creature. He invites us in to his conditional will of God so that all men, even though he he would, that all men get saved, but they don't all get saved because we don't preach the gospel and we don't go. And a lot of prayer is like that, praying for the sick. Why would he say, pray for the sick? Lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. If it was just put into his unconditional will, everybody, well, nobody, let me put it this way, there'd be no sick people. He wouldn't say, is there any sick among you? There wouldn't be any sick uh, among any of us if this was just his, his unconditional will. Elijah here was part of, the conditional will of God. Elijah sees Ahab and Jezebel and the wickedness that's going on in the land there. He's fired up and he prays. He goes to the the heavenly court and he says, let there not be rain until I say so. It's not going to rain except at my word. Not, oh God, if it be thy will, stop the rain, dear God. And when you want it to rain, dear God, let it rain again, if it be thy will. Wishy-washy, back and forthy. He said, no, no, no. This is, the, if this is in here with the scripture, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous person avails or has effect or triumphs over Much. He knows this is now the condition. It's not going to rain except at my word. Oh, the audacity of you. Who do you think you are? A righteous person. A person with the spirit of God. So it doesn't rain for three and a half years. Until Elijah gives permission Said, so, okay, time to reign. They've repented. God, God is, we've transacted some business here in the kingdom here on earth to get it back in line with heaven. And the heavens open up at the prophet's word. Because there was a conditional will of God that God invited his man into that space. In prayer. Is a conversation with the King of Heaven to affect something here on Earth that is not right, that needs to be changed, and it needs prayer needs to be effective, and it needs to be fervent. No nonsense. I'm going to get my heart right. I'm not going to cover over sin, unforgiveness. Uh, All kinds of uh, schisms and friction in the body of Christ, limiting the unlimited God, where God's invited us in to have a conversation. Examine your conversation in prayer and outside of prayer. If you want it to be powerful and effective, you have to be powerful. What's below the ocean and the iceberg has to be substance. Two thirds of it is below, and then we'll see the part that's popping out of the uh, of the water. The miracles will happen when the heart is powerful the mouth becomes powerful I'm going to close with this God help us I don't know if we will get past part one point one next week <laughs> that's why I do series because I don't have to rush it when you're a guest speaker somewhere then it's like oh no I'm not coming back here so, God doesn't need us to get his his unconditional will, but he invites us with his conditional will. So you say, well, that's good. Elijah was a powerful man. He was a human, but he was very powerful. But I'm not. And you are so wrong. The most powerful person on earth is less than a mosquito compared to Christ's power. The least in God's kingdom is the greatest, greater than the prophet of old. And here's why the most powerful you can be is in Christ. Question, are you in him? Are you saved? Are you born again? Have you stepped into Christ? Are you part of the body of Christ? Have you been baptized into his body, into his name? Then you are as powerful as you can possibly get. You don't get any more powerful than him and you and you and him. You can't be more powerful than in him. That's why let the weak say, come on, let the weak say, I am strong. The most righteous that you can be is in Christ. You can't get more righteous than him. And being in him makes you righteous. The only thing you need to do is confess your unrighteousness and get it right and keep your heart lined up because you have to have an alignment between your heart and your mouth my car gets out of alignment, got to take it in. It's it's shuddering. Why? Because it's out of alignment. It's not just the mouth, and it's not just the heart. It's both. Get in alignment. You are the most righteous you can be in Christ. You can't get more righteous than that. And when you separate yourself from Christ, your prayer becomes weak and ineffective. You're looking at you, Oh, I'm so weak. I'm not powerful. I can't pray that prayer. I'm not, I'm not like Elijah. You're not. You're greater because you've got Christ. But don't separate yourself from him. Scripture on that, 2 Corinthians five 21. You're the righteousness of God in Christ. And the revelation of that, grabbing a hold of that, It's an absolute game changer when it comes to your prayer. You confess your sins, any unrighteousness, 1 John 1, 9. He's faithful and just to cleanse you from all sin, from all unrighteousness. Anything that soils your garment, I talked about that last week. So that you can get in and pray the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous person so that you can get in and do battle when it comes to your children and you need a miracle, when it comes to your marriage and you need a miracle, when it comes to this nation and God knows we need a miracle, when it comes to the church, we need miracles to break out. And we need to know who we are in Christ and who he is in us that you can't get any more powerful than that. So the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous person is powerful to do transaction here on earth to draw from the power of heaven through God's portal called prayer and bring God's will into the earth so that whatever it is that we're looking at, that we say, that shouldn't be. Well, it shouldn't be. Why don't we be? So I'm going to pray right now, and then we're going to take communion together. I'm going to have a a altar is open for people with anything to come forward, and we'll pray. Last week we saw a lady came forward with her with a broken wrist, all bandaged up, instantly healed. I'm expecting. I'm expecting fervent. I'm expecting results. I'm not praying. Oh God, if it be thy I already know it's God's will. He desires that all should be saved and healed. So let's not explain it away. Let's let God change what should, shouldn't be into what should be. Amen. So if you're not saved, God desires for you to be saved. He wants you to, He wants you to give Him your heart. So this prayer is a heartfelt prayer. I'm going to Speak it out, and you can repeat it and mean it in your heart, and you can be saved right now, whether you're watching online or you're here. So pray this after me. Say, Jesus, I give you my heart. Be my Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to the City Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message or God worked through you in any way, then please take a moment to contact us through our website at city-church.net or email us your feedback at infocity-church.net. At